0: Welcome to another episode of the Crash Course Fashion Podcast. My name is Brittany Sierra, and I'm your host. In today's episode, I'm hanging out with Laura Balmond. Laura is the fashion initiative lead at the Ellen MacArthur Foundation, which is focused on international efforts to stop waste and pollution by creating circular systems for the fashion industry. In this episode, Laura and I discuss what makes a product circular, or I guess I should say what enables a product to be circular. We also dive into policy and government's role in accelerating the industry's transition to a circular economy. And because fashion supply chain is global, we also discussed how to enable circular systems across markets, what's needed, and how do we get there. So, if this sounds interesting to you, let's dive in. Hey, Laura. Hello. (laughs) How are you doing? I think it's evening where you are and morning where I am. I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. I am excited to be recording with you and me hanging out for a bit. (laughs) I have a lot of questions, so let's dive in
1: no no don't panic we can take our time
0: oh you don't want to tell me that we'll be (laughs) we'll be here for hours
1: (laughs) yeah no i saw the list i mean some really great ones in there actually to talk about um so so really really
0: happy with those well now i'm even more excited (laughs) um okay let's start at the beginning what is the ellen macarthur foundation
1: Mm. so the ellen macarthur foundation is a charity. We're based in the UK, but operating globally. And the charity was set up in 2010 by who was uh, then more famously known for being a yachtswoman, Ellen MacArthur. Um, she, She set up the foundation in 2010 after being on her around the world sailing trips and really being confronted by what it actually means to be faced with finite resources. Um, Her TED talk talks about this in much more (laughs) detail, and and she obviously tells her story um, in a very compelling way. But the the gist of the story was really that actually, when you are sailing around the world in in this, this tiny boat, if you break something, you need to fix it, and if you you know want to throw something away, there is no away. So it was really this this dawning realization of this is what it means to have finite resources, and actually, on our planet, albeit in a much much more complex system, we have the same system we have finite resources so she wanted to start something and really understand how do we really shift this concept of um getting more out of the resources we have you know moving away from just disposing everything after it's being used um, and what was called the linear system so the idea of extracting resources making them into products and, and allowing them to go into landfill for something that that really embrace the fact that they are actually very valuable materials so that is where the origins of the Ellen MacArthur Foundation came from fast forward now um, and 10 years later plus we are really growing at, at work in how do we continue to develop and promote that idea of circular economy so that people can understand what it is um, and that we can really engage and inspire the actors in the system to get on board but also mobilize Solutions towards getting there. Mm, yeah, it's
0: interesting. I I had a similar experience. Well, it wasn't really similar because I wasn't I wasn't living on a boat. But <laughs> Pame on the Sustainable Fashion Forum team, she lives in a tiny home, and I went to visit her, and it was so interesting because she has things. But all of the things that she owns are things that are actually being used. Mm. You know, they all have a purpose. They're all in use constantly, consistently. And, you know, and, you know, when it comes to waste and when it comes to just like everything, like she literally thinks through everything that she brings into her home and what its use is going to be Mm. and, you know, what they're going to do with it afterwards and, and all of that. And. I came home and I just like stood in my in my apartment and I just like looked around at all of my stuff <laughs> and there are so many things that I have that aren't used haven't been used in years um, they're just like collecting dust and I'm still bringing in bringing in more things and it's just like I just have so much stuff like you know just so much stuff and um And even like thinking about trash and, you know, how Pame and her family, you know, deal with trash and then thinking about how I deal with trash. I mean, we have a trash chute in my building. So literally just like throw it down the chute. And actually, even in the building, I have no idea where it goes.
1: It's really true. And once you start to question that and follow that sort of train of thought down the line of being, well, where did it come from in the first place? And where's it going next? That's Mm -hmm. really what we work on is how do you use design To change that.
0: Yeah. I mean, something that trips me out every time I think about it is the fact that every plastic straw that I've ever used in my whole life, even when I was a child, still exists somewhere on this planet. Mm. Like that is really trippy because, you know, you throw it away or you throw it down the chute and you don't think about it anymore. You just assume that it's taken care of. And it's like, nope, it's still on this planet somewhere. Who knows where but it's here it's just crazy to
1: think about it's incredible it is incredible and that's all and that was a design flaw waste is a design flaw from the beginning is mm-hmm. no one ever just just took a moment to think about actually this material how will you know the person that's used it dispose of it where will it go next and, and how can we keep it in use mm-hmm. yeah for sure
0: well talk to me about your work at the Ellen MacArthur Foundation what is it that
1: what is it that you do um, so my role is I lead the work specifically on fashion. So I work with our team there to see how can we develop and promote the idea of a circular economy for the fashion industry. And in, t- in terms of my journey, I've been at the foundation now for uh, just over six years. I have a history um, in chemistry um, was my undergraduate degree, and I, I did a masters in environmental engineering, so much more technical. Um, but really was just by looking at this idea of we waste so much uh, in our you know day-to-day lives Mm -hmm. I was a consultant a management consultant and anyone who has been one of those understands you know it's a very office-based job I was sitting very glamorously next to the bins um, (laughs) whereby I could see them piling up day after day with lots of different takeaway cartons and things and I guess the scientist within me was saying there must be a better solution to all this waste just going straight into landfill mm-hmm. there must be a better material or a better process or something we can put in place to avoid all of this just ending up in landfill and that's what led me to explore and ultimately come across the Ellen MacArthur Foundation um, and is, is why I ended up there today but not not to do with fashion initially but I've definitely <laughs> um, grown into that as I've learned more and more about specifically the fashion industry yeah, there's definitely a lot of waste in the
0: fashion industry. Actually, I wanted to ask you because everyone always cites the Ellen MacArthur Foundation for that stat that says every second the equivalent of one garbage truck of clothing is burnt or sent to landfill. And I'm just curious like is like where did that come from <laughs> and is that an exaggeration? Like are we really Throwing away and burning a garbage truck full of clothing a
1: second? That's <laughs> oh, a great question. It follows on, doesn't it, from what we were talking about is that curiosity about where does all of this stuff go next? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the fashion industry, and it's not alone, but the fashion industry is a near perfect example of this linear system that I, that I mentioned, whereby we're, we're taking resources, whether that's um, you know oil to turn into polyester or cotton to turn into t-shirts and then making it into the products and allowing it to end up in landfill very, very quickly. And in fashion specifically, the amount of waste that is, is created, almost everything ends up in landfill or incineration. So that statistic. It is very, very hard to get hold of really precise data of how much is being produced and where is it really ending up. We worked with McKinsey in 2016, 2017 to do a deep dive into that and to model those numbers. So it is based on um, modeling you know, clothing sales and looking at end of use pathways. Um, and in terms of, is it still you know, accurate? Are we still there? So those numbers, we had to use 2015 data because that was, all, that was the best data that we had. Um, it takes quite a while for these things to come through at the time. Actually, uh, Textile Exchange, an organization, an NGO that works a lot in the material space and has quite a big membership base, they did their own survey of their members and found that a few things have changed since we did that, that report. What happened was um, one thing was actually the, the amount of recycled input being, going into our clothes has slightly increased, but it's coming from other industries. So that means things like plastic bottles are being turned into our clothing. The um, mix of what they call their preferred fibres, so things that have had an improvement on the way they are produced, for example, if it's cotton, maybe using less pesticides, has also increased. But overall, when you look at textile to textile recycling, that number is now at 0.07%. So we said less than 1% in our report, a new textiles economy. Um, Textile Exchange has refined that to be that the 2019 number is 0.07% of materials um, being recycled back into uh, textiles again. Some of it will get put into other products. So there is a percentage that ends up in things like insulation or mattresses. But the challenge is quite often those things have also not been designed to be taken apart and their materials put back into something else. So ultimately, even though those materials are used for longer, they do still probably end up in landfill or incineration so it's it, it's a difficult picture really because fashion has continued to grow significantly so even where we've seen things being you know gains being made um with progress it's quite often wiped out by just the the increasing sales and the size of the market
0: yeah i mean this could be a stretch but i feel like that is kind of similar to the sustainability movement where there are more and more voices that are that are um, that are popping up and, and adding to the sustainability conversation and more brands and more organizations and more people that are contributing to this space and to this idea and to this movement. But it almost kind of feels like as the sustainability movement grows, it's becoming like the waters are becoming muddier and muddier. Mm-hmm. And especially because there is no industry wide set definition for sustainability or circularity or circular products or, you know, like really anything, it seems like, <laughs> um, you know, people and, and organizations and companies are able to define it for themselves. And it seems that seems really problematic to me, especially when we're thinking about greenwashing and how easy it is, especially, you know, thinking about fast fashion companies and ultra fast fashion companies that come up with quote unquote circular collections or products but they're not actually circular mm. um, it seems like so much of that could be mitigated if we were to have set definitions or just a common industry-wide understanding of what certain things are what the requirements are etc so I mean why do you think that we don't have these definitions especially if they could help alleviate some of these problems and also get everyone moving toward in the right like in the same direction
1: it's it's a really good it's a really good question it's a good (laughs) question and i guess i'm the right person to answer it Mm -hmm. um i mean i think one of the things is actually circular economy is a fairly new concept for a number of these organizations to to get their hands Mm -hmm. on sustainability has obviously been um sort of the movement has been going for a while now Mm -hmm. but actually there's a slight difference between the two in that sustainability efforts have traditionally looked at how do you sustain the current system. So with circular economy, we're really looking at how do we completely change the the system that we're operating with. Um, Sustainability often looks at how do you just make our current system less bad and how do you make changes to that. So circular economy is very disruptive and you need to come in and, and, and think about how do you actually completely redesign the whole way that everything is operating. And because of that, it makes it very difficult actually to have a one-size-fits-all approach because depending on who you are, what your business is, it's going to need to have different considerations. So the the one thing that we look at is really is we look at principles. So we talk about the circular economy having three principles, Mm -hmm. being eliminating waste and pollution, circulating products and materials, and regenerating nature. And if you're hitting all three of those things, then you're, you're heading in the trajectory of the circular economy. We took that down to the next level for fashion to make it more specific, because we also appreciate that that's quite difficult as a starting point um, with those principles. And we set a common vision. We worked with about 100 different organizations to get their input from all the different uh, parts of the value chain in fashion. And said, actually, if we were painting a future fashion system, what would it look like and we talked about clothes being used more made to be made again from safe recycled and renewable inputs and again it's obviously still quite high level it's not a you know a really specific list of things but that is needed to be able to build in the flexibility of what people will do the current system relies on huge mass industrialization and the challenge is if you get too specific on a definition or criteria you might risk going back down the route of industrializing you know to the scale a different system whereas a circular economy thrives from being diverse and being distributed and therefore the principles-based approach really gives a a good starting point. So the number of different things in there I think we're starting to see more alignment around that North Star vision and and what it can mean and there is the need to take that down you know to indicators and, and measuring Progress against that, but to get very specific almost defeats the the object because it, it starts to send everybody in exactly the same. You know, right down to the material level. Let's say mm-hmm. if, you know we started to dictate what materials should everybody use. It, it potentially even avoids some of the creativity of what could be some of the new solutions that are out there.
0: Totally, yeah, and I feel like it makes a lot of a lot of sense when you explain it in that way. I just, I mean, the other side of that is frustrating though because. It leaves the door open for, again, anyone to interpret these terms, these ideas in their own way and to capitalize on the efforts of others by creating or contributing to the conversation in a way that isn't really meaningful. It's just a way for them to kind of like jump on the bandwagon. You know what I mean? So, like, Mm. For example, I feel like this happens all the time and it seems to be increasingly happening, but fast fashion companies coming out with um, circular collections that aren't actually circular. Um, And so I I guess that leads me to my question is like, what actually is a circular product? And how much of the loop does a product have to close? in order to be considered circular?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a, a brilliant question because we see this language increasingly out there about a product being circular or you know elements of the system being circular. And I think you know the way you're looking at it is, is completely spot on. You know, a product in its own right can't really be circular. It can be designed with circular principles in mind so that it can operate within a circular system. But with the best will in the world, if you make the most, you know, beautifully designed, regeneratively grown, um, you know, T-shirt that's designed also to be recycled or to be worn for a long time, if there's no system, you know, in a collection system to get that back and to compost it and put it back into the land, let's say, then obviously, like you said, it doesn't complete the loop. It doesn't get the whole way around. So th- I guess these are all entry points and reflecting on the fact that this is a fairly new concept and it's a very disruptive concept, we can understand why people are maybe struggling to grapple with the fact that it has to be all of these pieces at once for it to really get there, but equally they're starting points. And I think what we're finding is if you can find that root in, the other things start to line up a little bit over time. And it is really important that we keep ra- raising the ambition level of these companies to, to push for that. Mm-hmm. But it's really beneficial to start somewhere because we're talking about very complex systems change. So you need a way in to start understanding how do you line up all the other pieces of the of the system. So, if, for example, you you talk, uh, I'll give you a very tangible example. We 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 started a project called the jeans redesign. Mm. The jeans redesign was something that we said, what if we took a pair of jeans, something really iconic, most brands have this in their um, collections, most organisations, people can relate to that. What if we try and make that pair of jeans, you know, completely recyclable? Because at the moment, there's a lot of things that prevent jeans from being really recyclable, right down to the fabric they're made of, quite often there are things mixed in there that are multiple different materials blended together. The threads often are polyester, not cotton in the, in the jeans, which again can disrupt the process. They have you know, zips and, and rivets and buttons and pockets and things that really actually mean in the end a very small amount of the, the material is being recycled. We got together with uh, over 80 experts from the industry. We did some workshops. We've really spent a lot of time understanding what these problems were and how could we move forwards with a much more ambitious product that would be more designed in line with circular economy and came up with some guidelines to say, actually, if we wanted to make a product fit within the circular economy and it was a pair of jeans, it would need to have these attributes. And we came up with all the different attributes. Now, that pair of jeans at the end isn't circular. Because until it's collected back and put back into the recycling systems and the materials are put back, it hasn't completed its journey, as you say. But what is really important is that all of the organisations that have been involved in that project so far is they've had to have conversations they have never had before. So they have had to pick up the phone to their suppliers and say, look, we can't use these threads anymore that we've used for years because they're polyester. What, What do you have that's an alternative? The suppliers have gone, we don't have an alternative. <laughs> They've had to phone their thread manufacturers and go, what do you have as an alternative? Like, we need to innovate because we don't have that. So it sort of starts a chain of events by picking something and just finding the entry point. It starts to you know, unravel all the other pieces. So it's absolutely beneficial to get started. And I think this is where it can be quite tricky to understand. that Yes, maybe the product might not be 100% circular that has been designed and is there. But it is the beginning of that journey. And actually, then it opens up a whole load more questions. Great. Well, now we've designed the the product, but who's going to take it back? How are we going to get that back to us? Do we get it back to us? Or do we get it back to a third party that's going to help us get those materials back into the system? Do we mind if we get our materials back or can we put them back into a general sort of feedstock pile? So that's that's why finding the entry point is actually really, really important.
0: Yeah, like it creates space for... Um, like a snowball effect of potential systems change. Yeah. Yeah. So so just to reiterate, a product alone isn't circular. It's the system and the infrastructure behind that product that allows it to be circular. So it can be designed with circular principles, um, such as like materials and durability and whatnot. But if the infrastructure is not included in the equation, then that product cannot be circular without that
1: system. Is, is that correct? Exactly. Exactly. And you could design a product, you know, with principles of that system, you know, in, in mind so that it could fit within that system. Do you think that as an industry,
0: we are truly aligned on what a circular economy should look like and what circular products should look like and and the vision and I guess like that north star like do you think that we truly are aligned it just it just seems like um it just seems like there's constantly organizations companies brands everybody coming out with you know certifications and definitions and it's all slightly different. And sometimes it seems like it's it's people just take what they want and sort of like make it fit the narrative that they want to share. Mm. Um, so yeah, I mean, are we really
1: truly aligned so that we can create true systems change? Uh, yeah, I, I don't think yet, to be honest. I think it's, uh, it's uh, it feels like it's coming there's momentum towards, you know, and, and there's a general sense of alignment, but absolutely there is a huge number of different standards and certifications in the sustainability p- uh, place. You know, there's lots of different definitions that organisations are looking at. What does circular mean to them mm-hmm. um, rather than as, as a whole? So I'd say we're not there yet. There's definitely a, a, a mismatch of, you know, all the different pieces, mm-hmm. but this need to be a harmonisation of that understanding across the board to keep moving forwards, and making sure that things are you know heading where we want as quickly as possible to really get systems transformation. Mm-hmm. We still need that vision. We need more you know more understanding of the vision. You know, we've created the vision and we want want people to get behind it, um, but it will take time to to get that understanding out there of what that means. And the more organizations that we can see demonstrating the you know, actions towards that and learning as they go along, the clearer that vision actually becomes and the clearer the actions needed to get there become. Yeah. That's something that we've been thinking
0: a lot about um, at the Sustainable Fashion Forum, especially with our our annual conference coming up in April. Oh, my gosh. I guess that's next month. Jeez. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, that's the reason why our theme this year is unifying solutions because, I mean, it just seems like there are so many technologies and ideas and, um, you know, innovative solutions that could truly change fashion. But... It, they just all seem so disjointed. And and the question that we really are wanting to ask and the question that we're really thinking about is how do we connect the dots between all of these ideas, all of these
1: technologies, all of these solutions to truly create systems change? No, it makes, it makes complete sense. And I think that's the point, isn't it? Is that, you know, actually, and it's almost, it, it, it's very frustrating if there's this much energy and effort being put into moving forwards. And actually, if it's not all moving in the same direction, um, you know, it, it's not without maybe, you know, good intentions, it's just a bit of misunderstanding or a And again, I mean, that's exactly why we created the vision was to really get to a point where actually we could create that common North Star direction for organizations to get behind it. So, I mean, you know, obviously it's a massive plug for our work, but we would say, look at the vision, take it up, read it, you know, look at the definitions in there and let's all head towards that because that was created with input from people that worked in recycling, manufacturing, um, brands, people you know, in different parts of the world. Um, it, it's it's principles-based, so it's still looking at you know, flexibility of what people can do within their own organisations, but it, it does drive that real clear, common direction for everyone to, to get behind. So that was obviously what we we would love to see. But uh, equally, we also need the businesses to get behind, to adopt it into their strategy, for the policymakers to really look at how that aligns with you know the direction of the policies that they're driving. And then it all starts to add up in the same direction.
0: Yeah. Well, I definitely want to dive in and talk about policy and how it fits into the equation. But first, I really am curious about this idea of a circular economy and what it means for other countries. So, you know, like decoupling resource consumption from economic growth is all well and good for Western economies where the economic case is well established. But what about emerging economies where resource extraction is often, you know, crucial to their
1: economy? I mean, it's it's really vital that businesses consider the social implications of the transition um, and really, you know, do the utmost to make sure that they're Anyone, you know, globally, regardless of where they are, are brought along on this journey with them, it, it's very difficult for one organisation to make these decisions on their own without engaging through their supply chain, for example. Um, and, and many of the, you know, the big brands have completely global supply chains. So th- there's definitely going to be changes across all um, countries Mm -hmm. we haven't dived into too much that specific um, topic but we you know have stayed very close with organizations such as BSR, who have been looking into this who have really been looking to understand what would be the implication on jobs for example let's say Um, and whilst there would be the likelihood of certain jobs disappearing actually there's also job opportunities and things like repair you know remaking recycling because these materials are going to probably likely to be operating in a flow of not just global supply chains as they do now, but also localized supply chains and a mixing between the two, because it's no longer going to be a completely direct, you know, one way system of extracting things in one country and and sending to another. It's going to be much more, um, more like a matrix, really, Mm -hmm. of of the different pieces that are connecting in. So it's one where the organization is together and it's not going to be without some complications one thing that is interesting to reflect on there is that um during the pandemic obviously we saw the devastating impact of what happens if you just stop production overnight and i think this is you know something for the organizations to be aware of as they look at well what does it mean to truly bring your suppliers on the journey with you totally
0: yeah and you know something that i've been thinking a lot about especially again considering that our theme this year for the conference is is uniting solutions, something that I've been thinking about is how we actually close the loop, considering all of the different places that fashion touches, you know, like we're talking about different countries and different economies where, you know, the to-do list isn't uniform across markets and the solutions really vary by geography. Mm -hmm. You know, there are, are different business models and even cultural factors that are at play. And in addition to that, you know, depending on where you're talking about, there's infrastructure, lack of infrastructure, there's policies, lack of policies, there's, you know, even the ability to access capital in order to fund new solutions isn't the same across markets. So when we're thinking about, the circular economy and transitioning fashion from linear to circular how do we how do we move the needle and push towards a circular economy and really unite on an idea and again you know that north star how do we unite on that north star and really push the needle and move towards a circular economy like yeah
1: and uh, certainly some big big to-do lists um i think so, i mean really just talking about that idea of having a sort of completely not just having a one-way system of things moving in one direction you know flowing to the other actually it's this diversity of uh, you know people ideas that actually is a huge strength in moving forwards innovative solutions that challenge that current status quo mm-hmm there's a lot of history, um, there's a lot of things that already exist or have existed in the past that can be leveraged to actually inform and and, and bring us back towards a circular economy. We did a report, um, I was involved with a research for a report in India when I first joined the foundation and I remember repeatedly a lot of the uh, stakeholders we met over there talking to us and saying, but India already has a circular economy, nothing is wasted. Mm. So actually the challenges are, you know, not quite the same but the principles of what we're trying to achieve are you know already there and and there's definitely knowledge and skills that can be leveraged in some places that we can use to to fuel that so I really feel that diversity is a a big strength Um, harnessing that is probably a a different question about how do we do that on a global scale Mm -hmm. and it brings me back to having that really clear common vision of what do we want the future of the industries to look like Mm -hmm. So that everybody can at least be moving in their own area towards that, you know, North Star moving in the same direction. Um, and it feels really important to, to keep coming back to that and, and finding ways to bring that into the language of businesses who obviously have a lot of power to act through their corporate strategy and, and how they focus themselves, but also through other NGOs, um, policy and government and really looking at how do we say so just keep keep moving in that common direction.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is the role of policy in accelerating the industry's transition to a circular economy and really aligning everyone on that North Star
1: goal? So talking about our sort of common vision, policymakers, governments can really look at how they can support that clarity of of where we want to go and that that shared sense of direction. Um, They also have a role, you know, they can bring in place frameworks and targets that really actually then put that down to a more practical level of actually achieving it um it's it's quite tricky to point to one specific policy measure that will you know actually fix the system shall we say it, it's really not that simple but really making sure that that overarching vision is applied across multiple policy areas to keep driving things in the same area and you know it could be incentivizing the behaviors that we want to see so for example we want to see things that are you know, being repaired so looking at could you give tax breaks to items that are repaired rather than brought you know new um or really looking at how the way products are designed so ensuring there is some level of common minimum requirements for design say that all products should meet these standards they should meet this durability level if they're going to be out there we've talked about this as well and you know this is a role that policymakers can can play is to really help make the economics work Um, often you know there is incentive for the the current linear system to keep going on creating more um, and having a sort of volume driven business but actually if they can look at supporting to shift the focus from also looking at labor but to looking at actually resources and pollution that starts to shift the balance of what we weigh up as as being a you know a positive way forwards mm-hmm. and then again they can really play a role in helping keep the products circulating round in the economy um, helping it create the right infrastructure and the right way to you know collect things back once they've been used. I was reading um, when I was when I was prepping for
0: um, our chat I was reading that there are those who actually are a little bit concerned about policy mm. because it's not united so there are certain policies that are being put into play in particular areas in certain places, but it's not unified across the board. And um, it seemed like from what I was reading that there are those who are concerned because later on, you know, there's the possibility of that creating issues because the policies are disjointed and and they don't, um, I guess, like speak to each other, you know? <laughs> so my question then is... How can fashion and government work together to design policy that is goal-oriented, meaning that there aren't, you know, one-off regulations for this and for that, but instead they are outcomes-oriented and they speak to a greater economic and social change. So what's needed for that?
1: And um, yeah, (laughs) that. I mean, it's a, great, it's a great question, isn't it? I think it's that um, point exactly that if you focus on just one area, one policy change or, you know, one piece at a time, you really do run the risk of creating things that are, you know, unintended consequences, but down the line could be problematic for other areas of, of what you're trying to achieve across the whole system. So I guess, the, you know, again, going back to that, you know, having that clear vision there really needs to be alignment because quite often the, the businesses want to demonstrate action, and then they want to demonstrate to the policymakers they're moving forwards in those areas. If we can keep setting that alignment through the vision, it's going to create more clarity to avoid the down the line risks, and also having that dialogue as well to make sure that you know as these things are discussed, that there is a you know a channel for them to to talk about this and, and share the concerns you know and, and look forwards to see what the potential risks could actually be, so they can be addressed before before we get down that.
0: Um, For sure. I'm like a thousand percent here for that dialogue. (laughs) I I definitely don't think that there is enough dialogue that's happening within the industry and between organizations. And um, yeah, I think we would really benefit from it. It it just kind of seems like everyone wants to be the solution, have the solution, find the solution. Um, But I think we would benefit from from you know, working together and connecting those dots and unifying those systems and all of the things. But I won't go into that tangent right now. (laughs) Um, I do. I do want to transition, though, to talk about um, what can be done now, action, what brands can take, the action brands can take now to create change um, because obviously they can't just overnight become circular and they can't overnight just completely change their supply chain and their business model and all of that so what steps should brands take in order to start to transition into this different
1: system i mean absolutely we understand that there needs to be a sort of period of of transition especially given some of the systems in place have, have been there for a long time We talked about finding an entry point, and I think that's, you know, that really is key for any organization, you know, whether it's a brand or manufacturer is really finding, you know, the piece that resonates. And some people have started with looking at how to make a product recyclable. Some people have started with the recycling technology, Um, but actually really finding that that way in to have that conversation and better understand what the circular economy means for your organization is is really, really key. Um, There's also the piece that actually there are organizations coming along You've got the the organizations that have been there for a a long time doing it in the traditional way, but you've also got the disruptors and the new innovators that are coming along and doing it in a circular way from the beginning. And actually it gets to a point whereby there's a real risk in not taking any action. So at some point taking action has got to beat um, sitting there and waiting for for the competition to come along. Mm -hmm.
0: Are there any qualitative commitments or goals that, you think that brand should be setting in order to enable and transition fashion into a circular system?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. We've seen quite a few different ones starting to emerge um, from you know looking at a broad thing of saying they're going to be 100% circular to um, looking at 100% regenerative, something that's really you know, tangible, technically meets all the principles of the, the circular economy as We're still working out on our side what we'd like to say in terms of the specifics of that and and how do we really make that something that's practical. Um, But a really great opportunity to look at and assess is, you know, what we talked about earlier in the circular business models is how does your revenue compare to your um, resource use and actually how can that potentially shift over time? Wait, but if brands are saying that they're going
0: to be circular by a certain date, but we don't have the infrastructure to truly like to recycle textiles at, at scale and even like take them back or sort them are they saying that they are going to build that infrastructure for themselves like I don't
1: <laughs> you're at a loss you're okay. at a loss um, I, I yes i mean in, in i think that's the way that it's heading is you know by setting these very, you know actually that's very that's a hugely ambitious Thing to say is to say that by 2030 you're going to be 100 circular but actually by setting that target like you've just said you have to force yourself to find the solutions and start to add up all the pieces of the puzzle so yes it's not just about changing the product design 100 percent circular by 2030 also means getting the infrastructure in place to make sure those products you know are circulating working with the right suppliers to make sure you're you know bringing renewable inputs into your, your system overall it's huge it's it's a huge task but actually it it's a stretch goal and that actually really brings people to to get started on that journey yeah i mean i think it's great
0: to push yourself and to create like a lofty goal in order to push yourself towards really creating change quickly but it just seems like something like that it's not like you're not relying on your efforts alone in order to make this happen you know like Systems have to change, and right. I mean, not not thinking about smaller brands because I know that there are smaller brands out there that um, are in control of their own supply chain and are actually, you know, taking product back and and reusing the materials and all of that. And it's awesome, but more so for like the larger brands that say we're going to be sustainable or excuse me, circular by twenty thirty. I mean, for them, they're not. It's it's not just. They're not just relying on their own efforts, right? Like the industry has to change. Is that possible by, by 2030 to be 100% circular?
1: I'd like to think it is, <laughs> I'd like to think it is, but it is, it is a huge, it is a huge transformation in terms of the infrastructure. Um, and, you know, I guess if, if they set a target of hundred percent circular and they make it, you know, even 50% or 80%, we're still yeah. significantly far forwards than, than we would be otherwise. So yeah. I think it's a, you know, it's, it's, it's a great, it's going to be interesting to watch these efforts. And we really hope that we can, you know, see those collaborations that need to happen to really get there it could be possible to completely control your supply chain if you wanted to go down that route. Um, obviously that doesn't bring forwards the whole industry at the, quite the same speed, but we are seeing organizations that are doing that. There's um, there's a company that's actually based on the Isle of Wight where, where we are, where we are mostly working from in the UK, um, that started a, a company that, that really looked at the supply chain. They take their materials, they, you know, they make t-shirts and things. They have logos printed on them. Um, it's called T-Mill. They, will only store you know they won't print loads of logos on a t-shirt in case it doesn't sell they only print it when it's bought so that if that style changes they've just got plain t-shirts they can change it you know the next day it's on demand printing but their whole business model is also set up on taking those products back when you no longer want them so they know exactly what's in their own products they know exactly what materials what chemicals and they send their own products back to be recycled and put them back into their products so that, yeah. there is the op- there is the option today. We're already seeing great examples of people controlling their own part of the system, and then absolutely for the, for the ones where it goes much more, you know, I guess the bigger companies particularly will mm-hmm. have that challenge of you know, can they actually control it or or are the collaborations they really need to to move forwards with to make sure that can happen? Yeah, for sure.
0: So in addition to brands and policy. How do we accelerate this transition from a linear to a circular fashion economy? I mean,
1: we need to create the demand for it. Mm-hmm. So as soon as the, these organizations, exactly what we're saying, you know, how does, how does a commitment of 100% circular, you know, actually help move us forwards? Well, if it's a commitment of 100% circular and to start buying recycled materials from these organizations, they can start to understand they have a security in terms of demand for their product, mm-hmm. Then they can start to invest more and they can start to scale up. So there is a real knock-on effect of having these very um, you know, time-bound targets that actually then can accelerate other things that are happening more broadly in the system. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's what we need to see more of and increasingly more specific time-bound targets, I think is something we've uh, talked about during during this piece here, um, that then can keep driving that, that demand for the solutions, which will keep bringing the innovators to try harder and the investors to invest more. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get there much quicker.
0: Yeah, I suppose that's part of the conversation as well, right? Like the investors and the money, and where is it going to come from? Because essentially, like transitioning a whole system, I mean, that sounds like dollar
1: signs to me. <laughs> Initially, you know, there will be costs associated with changing. You know, we've got the whole system that's set up to run this specific way. We now need to completely transform that. One of the biggest challenges that we have is. In today's operating system, it's very polluting. It's very wasteful, but those costs are not factored in. You know, Mm -hmm. the cost of the fact that the soil is being degraded or that we have air pollution, Mm -hmm. the actual, you know, social and environmental costs are not being factored in in a monetary way. If those were to start to be factored in and uh, and charge for, you know, the the fact that you have to clean up pollution and that you have to address, you know, water pollution and then things like this, if you move to a circular system, actually... It's much more economically favorable because it doesn't create those things in the first place. Mm -hmm. In the meantime, there will be likely um, increased costs. What we've been seeing is a mixture of things. We've seen um, a lot of sort of startup accelerators getting involved in this. So there's a lot of interest from investors as this idea takes off because it's becoming, it's a viable business model. So people want to invest. Um, We're also seeing that the manufacturers themselves, a number of the ones in our network actually talked about because this is such a competitive advantage for them, if they can offer these changes and, and, and work with their brands to do this, some of them actually just worked on creating efficiencies in their own supply chain to be able to keep the cost the same for their brands, but offer a completely unique product as a competitive advantage. Mm-hmm. And then we've also seen, as you said, the brands working with the manufacturers and, and accepting that perhaps in the short term there might be a cost increase, but with anticipation that over time as the technology comes along as things get more established and scaled those return to you know perhaps um, lower prices overall but i think it would be fair to say it's it's a bit of an unknown at this point as as people venture through this and there's a bit of learning by doing man there are so many additional
0: questions that like popped up in my head as you were saying that but we are getting close to time <laughs> so speaking of learning by doing <laughs> Um, you all just released a book. So talk to me about the book. Tell me what's about. Who was it for? Um, and
1: yeah, how did, it, how did it come to be? Absolutely. Yeah, so, so the book, our, our book, Circular Design for Fashion, um, this came out of a, a initial efforts when we um, had, had written our report, A New Textiles Economy. We'd been looking at the circular economy for fashion for a while And actually what we found quite often in the conversations that we were having is that the uh, circular economy conversation was often sitting with sustainability teams or maybe even business teams within organisations. But when it came down to the people that were involved in the making of the product and the creation of the product, there was a bit of a gap in terms of the knowledge that they had and the the materials that they had to be inspiring and to engage with. And increasingly, designers of clothing were starting to understand actually this you know environment they work in is wasteful and polluting and, and hearing more and more about this and were increasingly frustrated because they were starting to understand well actually that's part of my work I'm part of the the challenge Um, so we wanted to create something that was for the creatives that brought a lot of the content that we've talked about in this podcast um, to the, to them but in a really inspiring visual creative way and we wanted to get people that were there you know peers or people they would look up to to be involved in telling that story so we engaged um, a lot of designers we included um, work from Stella McCartney, Marine Serre, Gabriella Hurst we had um, contributors from um, all over the world actually and different parts of the supply chain to tell their stories about as a designer you know what circular economy has has led them to do or inspired them to do um, so it's it's Just been published. It was published in December. Um, The hope is that we can get that into the hands of, you know, as many creative people to inspire them to also question the design of an item that they're making. Where does it come from? And and especially that question we've been talking about where does it go next once it's been used? Because often that isn't even a a question that a designer might ask. um, And how they can contribute to being part of the circular system amazing um
0: well for those of you that are listening I know that we are planning on doing a giveaway so watch this space follow us on Instagram um and yeah (laughs) we'll share more about that but thank you so much Laura for joining me and hanging out with me and answering all of my million and one questions I have like a million more but I'll just I'll just keep those to
1: myself for now
0: <laughs> I won't <laughs> well, keep you <laughs> I had my list of notes but it's all right I think,
1: we were, I think we hit most of the ones that you had on there yeah, so that was yeah. good. that yeah, was, that was yeah. good um, yeah no it's
0: just, really nice yeah for sure I think it's just like when I start thinking about all of the moving parts and like everything that's needed in order to make this happen it just like first of all it's overwhelming but then it also just brings about out so many more questions and like so many more things that need to be figured out and solved and you know all that
1: yeah you were sort of clarifying you know it's not just about one part right it's about the system is a bit mind-blowing for people really but we you know that's why you need to find a way to find what is your inspiration and how do you get started and, and get involved in it because um otherwise it could quite quickly become overwhelming
0: yeah for sure well thank you again for hanging out with me well, and- so nice to speak to you Oh, thank you. <laughs> All right, let me let you go before I ask you like 55,000 more questions.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Have a good rest of your day. Thank Bye. You.
0: As always, thanks so much for listening. If circular systems is something that you're interested in, you definitely want to hang out with us at our annual conference in April. I will put a link in the show notes. We have a lot of conversations about circular systems, but the one that I think I'm the most excited for is a conversation about the psychology of human behavior and how understanding human behavior will allow us to enable circular systems via customer participation we will be announcing the full schedule this week so be sure to look out for that and grab a ticket in the meantime i will see you back here for the next episode
1: bye y'all